Turn with me, if you have a Bible with you, to the book of Acts and chapter 1. Millions of Christians around the world today are celebrating the theme of Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Pentecost was the day that the, the church caught fire and was empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. And we were taking the theme, that theme this morning, looking at the baptism of the Spirit, the empowering of the Spirit. Uh, <coughs> if you were with us, you know, you might be here tonight, you weren't with us on, this morning, but I, I shared this idea that Nicky Gumbel talks about a Christian. He says, a Christian or a believer who has not in, been empowered by the Holy Spirit or not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like a, um, a boiler that has a pilot light. A boiler has a pilot light, he says, but the baptism or the filling of the Spirit is when the pilot light comes on and ignites, and then the boiler kicks in and kicks into fire. And uh, he likens that in his book, Questions of Life, and he talks about that, and and there's the whole thing about the Alpha Course and the Holy Spirit Day, and he shares that as an example. We really took that theme this morning. So tonight I want to take the theme of the book of Acts again, theme of the person of the Holy Spirit, but Acts chapter 1. So turn with me to Acts chapter 1, and our theme is catch fire, spread the flame. Acts 1 and verse 7 reads like this. Now, if you've been a Christian a little while, you're going to read some verses that you probably know pretty well. If you've been in a Pentecostal church, our church, Elam uh, Oasis Christian Center, we're part of the Elam Four Square Gospel Alliance. We're an Elam Pentecostal church. So Pentecostal is our, our central uh, tenets of theology. But we believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've been around in Pentecostal circles a little while, this may be a verse that you've read quite a few times. So my plea would be, let's just keep our hearts as open as we can, if you've read this verse before, for something perhaps fresh for our hearts and our lives, all of our lives tonight. Okay, so Acts chapter 1, verse 7 reads like this, and I'm reading from the NIV. Jesus said to them, well, verse 6, let's go back a verse or two more. Verse 6, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently into the sky at where he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that he has been taken from you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, said the Lord Jesus, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and into the very ends of the world, the very ends of this very age, this very world. I want to read you something. Um, probably um, a great inspiration so, and uh, uh, someone that I've read about is a man called Jim Elliot. I quote him. I probably quoted this quote that I'm about to quote now, perhaps before. But Jim Elliot was an amazing young man who lost his life as a missionary. And he felt God say to him, go um, to speak to the Alka Indians. Let me just read a little bit of his story. It's pertinent to what I want to say over the next few moments. It's just a few, few lines, a, a, 
not even a quarter of a chat, um, a, a couple of paragraphs that I want to read you just for a moment or two. On January the 8th, 1956, a young man and his four friends, uh, Nate Say, Ed McCauley, Roger Uderin, and Pete Fleming, sat together on a strip of white sand on the Kurarai River deep in Ecuador's rainforest in South America. They were waiting for the arrival of a group of men they loved, but they had never met. A savage Stone Age tribe of Alka Indians. The first missionary to enter Alka land was a Jesuit priest, and he had been murdered in 1667. For more than 200 years, white people had avoided the Alkas until the rubber hunters came, and then later the oil companies. Many of those were mercenaries who murdered and looted and raped and burned, uh, and burned, and the Indians fought back with the deadliest means they could find. Other Europeans continued to stay far away as they could. Before 4.30 p.m. that afternoon, the quiet waters of the Kururai flowed over the bodies of the five comrades aged between 27 and 32, slain by the men they had come to win for Christ. These were just young men. The leader of those young missionaries was a man called Jim Elliott, who just three years earlier, after watching an Indian die in a jungle hut, had affirmed his willingness to serve God and die, if necessary, among these people. Then he added this petition. Lord, let me live until I have declared thy works to this generation. Before he went into the jungle, Jim told his wife, if that's the way that God wants it to be, I am ready to die for the salvation of the Alcas. Not, not thinking or knowing that perhaps that would be his end. Life magazine covered the story of the Alca massacre and people across the world heard about the missionaries uh, and, and the gospel. People in crisis situations years afterwards remembered the words of Jim Elliot that Life had quoted. And these are the words. When it comes time to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. His words transformed their lives. His sacrifice along with his friends lit fires of missionary zeal around the world. And in the years that followed, mission societies were flooded with offers of those who wanted to take the place of these young martyrs. Their wives and children, and this is, you know, Jim Elliot and his comrades, their wives and children could have become bitter. Instead, the four of them returned to the work with the Alka Indians. A month after the massacre, I mean, that's, you know, I find that incredible and amazing. Nate's sister, Rachel Saint, and Elizabeth Elliot, Jim's wife, went to live with the Alkas. Jim and Elizabeth's year-old daughter played with the children of the killers. All the men's killers would eventually give their lives to Christ. Said one of them, Jesus' blood has washed my heart clean. My heart is healed. While a student, this is Jim Elliot, while he was a student at Wheaton College in America, seven years earlier before this event, Jim Elliot wrote these now famous words. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's also recorded in his journal his own struggles and desire to live for God 
much oppressed with vile thoughts these past two days, sick in bed with too much inactivity. Ah, what a cesspool this heart is, if left to bubble up in its own production, said Eliot. Later, he wrote, while meditating on Hebrew, and these are the famous words, while meditating on Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, these words, he makes his ministers a flame of fire. He wrote these immortal words. Am I ignitable? God, deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things. Saturate me with the oil of thy spirit, that I may be a flame. But flame is transient, often short-lived. Canst thou bear this, my soul, short life? In me dwells the spirit of the great short-lived, whose zeal for his father's house consumed him. He has promised baptism with the Holy Spirit in fire. Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the church. On the day of Pentecost, it was the day that the Holy Spirit set on fire the hearts of those early disciples. And here in Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus sharing prior to the day of Pentecost, some days before, encouraging them to wait, to gather together. And as they waited, and as they would wait together and pray together and wait upon God, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon your life and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the world. There's a couple of things that we read in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive power. You will catch fire. And then in... Um, the second part says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You will spread the flame. So there's two things that we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power. There's the need to catch fire. And then he says, you will be my witnesses. There's the need then to spread the flame. Do you notice that? There's, there's the desire to catch fire. And then secondly, he says, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, there's the, then the release to spread the flame of God's presence, power, and love, and forgiveness. You will receive power. That word power is the word that we get where we understand the potential for miracles. You will receive power when the person of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll catch fire. It will be like fire in your bones, fire in your heart, fire in your body. The word there literally means you will receive potential for miracles. You'll receive God's ideas. You'll receive God's strength. It's not human strength and human understanding and human reasoning. In the 21st century church, in our modern church and in our lives today, perhaps we can get used to our own understanding and my own strength. I know I am, uh, that's something about me that I say about my own life. And what we see here is that Jesus was saying that you will receive the power of God not the miracle power of God. That's what it literally means. The potential, for actual fact, it literally means this. You will receive the potential for miracles. That's what the word dynamis means, the word power there. Potential for miracles. The supernatural work of God. The desire of God. The hand of God. The idea of God. The power of God. The instigation of God. Not in human ex- ex- understanding. Not human experience. Not our own human endeavor. But the endeavor of God will be released in our hearts and in our lives. It's as if the pilot light is on. 
But now it ignites. And this is what he says. You, you as a Christian, you know, to be a Christian, the pilot light must come on. By the Spirit of God, our hearts are enlivened. Being born again means to be born of the Spirit. So the pilot light comes on. But then there's this sense of the need of empowerment for the actual boiler then to burst into flame. And so this is what Jesus was saying to the church, is that there's this desire, this need. You know, I spent a long time this morning looking at the change before in the hearts of the disciples and then on the day of Pentecost. And we haven't got time, and nor is the place now tonight, to actually look at that. But I did that this morning as I spoke this morning. But here we see there's a number of things whereby we need the sense of fire. We need to catch fire. There's a desire to catch fire. You know, um, because of disillusionment at times, we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, two disciples who were disillusioned. It says their hearts were downcast as they look upon the ground. And disillusionment can put the fire of your faith, uh, can quench the fire. I've known many a Christian become disillusioned. I've known many a believer, many servant become disillusioned with the service. I've known people out in mission and ministry. I know pastors, I know leaders, I know elders, I know department leaders, I know Christians. Worship, you name it, who've become disillusioned along the way. And in Luke, at the end of Luke, in um, chapter 24, um, we read of a, a, a number of disciples, and it says that they were disillusioned along the way. And Jesus came and spoke with them, and they said they were downcast. And um, in the paraphrase, the message, which isn't a translation, but it's a great devotional. It's what we would call a paraphrase. It's good to have with a translation. So get hold of the message and put it beside the NIV or whatever, or the New King James that you've got, and look at them together. But don't replace the New King James or the NIV with the message, but have them together. But the message is a great paraphrase, and it says these words of those two downcast disciples. As Jesus spoke to them, it says this, Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road and as he opened up the scriptures to us? The message translates um, or paraphrases Luke 24, verse 32. It says, didn't we feel on fire as he spoke or conversed with us along the road? You know, our hearts need to be stirred again. They were disillusioned. I know many a Christian that needs to be stirred. Let the fire fall in our hearts be again. In, uh, in disillusionment. The second thing, sometimes we can have burnout. Sometimes, as Christians, we burn out. We've worked so much, we've just got nothing left to give. I know a lot of Christians that are burnt out today. I don't want to burn out, but I do want to burn up. I preached a whole message on that. I'm not going to do that tonight. But in Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 12, there's a need to catch fire. There's a need in our lives to catch fire. As we burn the wick of our lives rather than the oil of the Spirit. There's a message in there in itself. I haven't got time to look at that. But we need to burn the wick, not the wick of our lives, but the oil of the Spirit. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, again in the message, great paraphrase, it says this, Don't burn out, burn out. keep yourselves fueled in a flame. It talks about keeping your zeal in the NIV. But in the message it says in verse 11, Don't burn out, keep yourselves fueled and aflame. You know, we can burn out, we can work hard, and we've got nothing left to give. We need to find, we need to come and get refueled, as it were. You need to get refueled, as it were, for the fire of the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes we can cool off, we can get disillusioned, we can burn out, we can cool off. You know, in 2 Timothy 1, in, t- in t- the second book of Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 
and um, verse 6, where the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift. And the message again, in, in the NIV, Paul, it will say, Timothy, Timothy 1, verse 6, will say, fan into flame. Paul talks about fanning into flame. In the message, it says, keep that gift ablaze. Keep the gift ablaze. And in the NIV, it says, fan into flame. So there's this idea we can cool off. You might say, I need it to be cool, a bit cooler now. It's a bit warm in here right now. But, you know, as Christians, so we can become disillusioned. We can, be burnt, we can burn out. We can cool off. Maybe someone's poured cold water on your life. So we need to catch fire. We need to catch fire. As Christians, as first-time believers, we need the fire of God's presence to be enlivened by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The ability, the understanding, the unction, the mind, the heart, the ability of God in the situation. And then it says, you will be my witnesses. Power for what? Power to be witnesses. We can catch fire, but then we have to spread the flame. We don't call a conference to have another fire and have a bit more fire and get warmer for ourselves. But when we catch fire, we're then called to spread the flame. In actual fact, the empowerment of God is to... It's for mission. It's actually to take the heart of God to the nations. And so the fire and power of God, a man called Michael Green wrote wrote these words. He says, the prime, in his book, I Believe in the Holy Spirit, he writes these words. Great writer. He says, the prime purpose of the coming of the Spirit of God upon the disciples was to equip them for mission. The comforter comes not to allow men and women to be comfortable, but to make them missionaries. The comforter comes not to make us comfortable, but to send us into the world. You don't, you don't have to just be a missionary to go to Africa, but we're sent ones. We're released outside the box. In fact, lots of people want to be called apostles today, and the word apostle just literally means sent one. I think a lot of missionaries have an apostolic gifting. A lot of apostles today act like chief executive officers of multinational corporations. But the apostles, the apostolic is a sent one gifting that seems to have ability to send other ones and to strategically create um, organizations and to send other ones. There's something really powerful there. And so he says you catch fire so that you will be my witnesses. It's to be a witness and to do witnessing. But the primarily, we're called to be witnesses. The Holy Spirit comes to release the church so that we have the ability to live the life. So to be a witness is to live, to be, to be a Christian. Some people say it's very hard. It's very hard to give up X, Y, and Z. It's very hard to, to go against the flow of the age in which we live. I hear people say that today. Well, you can't say that. You can't talk about sin anymore. It's a misdemeanor now. And you can't tell me how to live. And I say, well, absolutely right. I wouldn't tell anyone. But the Holy Spirit's the one who's going to convict us because he's holy. And he, but he gives power to live the life. He gives power to break the things of addiction. He gives a sense of power to stand up and be counted. Just like Jim Elliot said, that make my life a fuel, a flame of God. I want you, Holy Spirit, to just be loosed within my life so that I can live for God. And so the person of the Holy Spirit, we catch fire so that we can live for him, so that we can be the people that God wants you and I to be. Now, moving on swiftly then. 
the Holy Spirit empowerment isn't just to be contained in a lovely building with lovely other people. Uh, by all means, we want to encourage one another. Of course we do. But it's also to be loosed in the world around us. That might not mean that you will always go around in the office raising the dead or calling the photocopier back to life and raising the dead of the photocopy if it's died or whatever it is. But it might mean that you're to live your life in such a way to be a witness. It might mean that you go against the tide of something that people are saying on the production line. I was a, an electronics technician and uh, when I ventured out of the... was in Quality control was what... Uh, uh, Quality control was the area that I was involved in as an electronics technician, trained to be an engineer. And we'd go from the production, uh, out from the quality control area onto the production line. And when I would go out onto the production line, there'd be all sorts of things being said out there. It was like I was a bit of a, a, a worker out of the way. They would call us the overheads because we worked in the office. So when you went onto the production line, that's where they really worked. But there was a lot of rich language, shall I say, on the production line. And all sorts of things were said. And I would have all sorts of things said to me by all sorts of different people. And so I had to go against the tide, as it were, but not live like a holy Joe, but be me and be a person and know to live in the power of the Spirit. So you might be called at college. You might be called at work. We might be called in our neighborhood. We might be called in our family. You might be called, you might be in a home. And both of you aren't Christians. But to live in such a way with God in our lives, that's to be a witness. Well, we have the power to do so. And we also might be called to step out in the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well. And the supernatural power of God to be a witness. How can we do that then? Well, is to know and receive this power I'm of a belief that there is what we call the empowerment is subsequent. There is a, an experience of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You'll know it. You won't think, oh, I think so. Oh, I think I might be. Oh, I think I might have. I think I might know the fire. You will know. I can assure you, you will know the fire of God. We, we need to know the fire of God. And we see throughout the New Testament that the early believers had an experience and an understanding of the empowering of God. In other words, the pilot light was to ignite. And there'd be times in our lives when there is this ignition, this lighting the fire again, lighting the fire again. The apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians, be continually filled with the Spirit. Keep yourselves oiled and aflame, in other words. And the, light will, the, the fire will light again and again and again and again and again. And so we see throughout the New Testament... So let's have a quick look, very, very quickly, just in the next five minutes. So this is going to be like a whistle-stop tour. So quickly, if you can turn with me um, in, your, in your Bibles, just for a moment or two. So in Acts chapter 2, we see on the day of Pentecost, um, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. If you want to just turn to that very quickly, Acts chapter 2. We were looking at this this morning. We're not going to look at it in detail. I'm just going to just go through this really quickly. How can we receive the Holy Spirit? How may we receive this empowerment? How can we catch the fire so then we can then spread the flame? So let's going to look at this really quickly. Um, okay, tall order, but we're going to do it. Acts 2. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like a blowing violent wind came upon them and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Um, Suffice to say, I went through this this morning. Have a listen online. You can listen to it for free. But there was an experience of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, enlivening and touching their hearts. They were believers. They were already together, 120 of them. And now there's the pilot lights being lit, as it were. There's a secondary experience, a subsequent experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. Come now with me to Acts chapter 8. I'm not going to do this justice, but there you go. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Philip in Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word. Acts 4, verse 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word. Wherever they went, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did... They all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. And many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Now, verse 9. For some time a man named Simon who practiced sorcery in the city was amazed at all the people of Samaria. This man had amazed them with his occult practice. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and probably their money at the same time, and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because they amazed them for a long time with his magic. But, verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both men and women, Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. This occultist saw that there was a power of God far greater than he'd ever seen before. Stay with me just a bit longer. Verse 14 then, if you can look at it. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting? (coughs) There's a whole bunch of people here becoming Christians, getting baptised, And now it says they're praying for them to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Very interesting. You can't become a Christian, baptized, unless you are born again, born of the Spirit. John 3, chapter 16. John 3 about Nicodemus. But here we now have them as Christians receiving a a secondary, a second or subsequent experience of empowerment. And because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It goes on. And then this man called Simon the sorcerer said, give me that same power that I see. He could see that amazing things happened. The people received the power of the Holy Spirit. These were believers. And it says, when the disciples laid their hands on them, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them. In Acts chapter 8, the disciples laid their hands and the Holy Spirit came upon them in empowerment. It's a second, a subsequent experience. Move with me very quickly. I've got to move on as quick as I can. Acts chapter 10. Another experience of a second experience of the Holy Spirit. The reason we're sharing this is just so you know how you can catch the fire. Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. So, Peter is speaking at a centurion's house. 
This is a Roman centurion who was a God-fearer. He believed in the one and only true God. And uh, in a dream, Peter is given a vision in a dream, and he goes to speak to these Gentiles. A Jew didn't mix with Gentiles. This is amazing. And here we have Peter. And then in Acts 10, 44, while Peter was still speaking, he was speaking at this man's house, these words that Jesus had risen from the dead and was their saviour, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Amazing. Acts chapter 2, the believers were there together, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, came upon them in power. In Acts chapter 8, they believed and were baptized. The apostles came, laid hands upon them, came on in power. Now in Acts chapter 10, Peter's speaking to a group of people. As they're beginning to believe, the Holy Spirit comes upon them in power. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit does what he wants. But there's this second experience, empowering of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19. With we'll this, we'll be finishing. Acts 19. Verse 5. This is the group of believers at a place called Ephesus. Verse 19. Uh, chapter, sorry. Uh, Acts 19, verse 1, just to get a bit of context. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them. Now, these said, you notice he found some disciples. What are disciples? Disciples were believers. Footstep followers, believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, these were Christian disciples, okay? He found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So he, he takes for granted they're believers. To be a disciple, you had to be a believer. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. Not even heard about that, that there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul asked Then what baptism did you receive? And John's baptism, they replied. Paul said to them, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, and that that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. In that point, Paul lays hands upon them. There's a second experience. It's as if the pilot light, the, the pilot light's on. They believe. And then it ignites in power. The Holy Spirit is loosed and freed. The, the, Luke speaks coming upon, being loosed, flowing in power. The, the pilot light is lit. And so what we see, what we see, and what Pentecostals believe, and as a Pentecostal church, this is what we would believe as a Pentecostal church. Now, I have to say that not every Christian believes in this secondary experience. We've got to be honest about it, but this is what I believe the Bible would teach. But, you know, many Christians out there in the world would believe that you receive the Holy Spirit at conversion. That's it. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit at conversion. And then that's it. Get on with it type of thing. And, uh, but I would believe that we are born of the Holy Spirit at conversion. That's regeneration. But there is a subsequent, whether it's next moment, next day, that hour, or for me, it was three years later. I shared my testimony this morning about being converted and three years later being released in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? But I do believe there's a second, a, a subsequent experience to becoming a Christian. There's a subsequent, whether it's as quick as that, I'm a Christian and then I receive the, the releasing of the Spirit. Or for my case, it was becoming a Christian and then three years later, I received that empowerment. 
that was for me. That was a bit different. But anyway, what we see there is a subsequent empowering of the Holy Spirit. So then tonight, what we see in these passages indicate that there's no set pattern for receiving the Holy Spirit. However, there's some certain things that are evident. So there's no set pattern, okay? number of things are evident. Number one, a longing and thirst that causes us to ask. There's a desire. So in every case, people wanted God. At the centurion's house, they wanted God in their lives. On the day of Pentecost, they wanted to know the fullness of God. In Ephesus, the disciples wanted to know the fullness of God in their lives. When I got baptized in the Spirit three years after becoming a Christian, I wanted to know the fullness of God in my life. So what we do see is there's a desire for a longing, a desire to know God and the fullness of God in our lives. Second thing is this. Um, the, the empowerment comes by faith. Can't make it happen. We just believe and accept. It's a gift. The gift of God. Just like salvation's a gift, so is the an empowering of the Holy Spirit. So it comes, secondly, by faith. Thirdly, it's as we reach out and respond to him in faith. There's a, a, a sense of a desire. There is a, a, a sense of desire where I reach out in my heart and with an open heart respond to God and open up my heart to him. So there's, this, there's a longing, there's a desire to live a life all out for God, which by faith we say, Lord, we need to know. I need to know your God ideas. I need to know this heart. I need to know your your power within the depth of my life. And thirdly and finally, um, the filling of the Spirit. You'll know it because it, is, it corresponds with a, a sense of worship, a sense of wonder, a sense of praise, quite often, but not exclusively, accompanied with the gift of tongues, but not exclusively, not all the time, but quite often there will be the release of the gift of tongues and being released in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in prophecy, in visions, and dreams. We're a charismatic Pentecostal church. We're not just a lively church. You can go to lots of churches and have a lively and have great music, but that doesn't make... We believe in the power and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, there's a desire in our hearts to catch fire, the empowering of God, but then also to spread the flame wherever we go, to live the life, to let others know that Jesus Christ is alive. And we do that in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit to be released in the gifts of the Spirit. That's our desire. That's my desire. Let's pray together. Bless you, folks. The thing is this. We can become disillusioned. We can get burnt out. And we can cool off. And this is why, time and time again, we're encouraged to keep ablaze, fan into flame. Did not our hearts burn within us? When Jesus spoke with us, fan into flame the gift, said Paul to Timothy, a a younger man who was perhaps being attacked and people saying things that would cause him to become disillusioned. And we can work hard. Heavenly Father, tonight we open up our hearts to you and say thank you that you are indeed the living God, that you have a desire for our lives. You really care for your church. You love your church, the bride of Christ. And you want us to, we are your hands, your feet, your eyes, your heart. We are the body of Christ on earth, the church. 
And a body needs energy. And our energy and our power is the person of the Holy Spirit. And we say, thank you, O God, that our energy to speak, our energy to love, our energy that takes our feet to go with courage, to go against the tide in the age in which I live, to stand my ground or your ground, to um, deal with habits of heart and mind and deed, to deal with those things that would disillusion, that would pour cold water over my life, those things that seek to contain and want to keep the church hemmed in. Oh God, we want to be a people that are loosed, that are freed. He and the sun sets free is free indeed. And we want to be a people freed to be. The Spirit is sent not to make us comfortable. The comforter comes not to make us comfortable, but release us in mission to release us to the world. Here's my heart, O Lord. Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. Our church, make our church your fuel, O flame of God. I want to be a different, make a difference in my land, in my life, in my area, in my family, in my home in our neighborhood. I wonder if we could just maybe come and sing together as we close. I realize I've pounced on you guys and my apologies for that. No, I don't apologize at all. <laughs> we, we, we do appreciate, don't we? We appreciate our worship team, don't we? Don't we? we? We do. We appreciate our worship team, our musicians, our singers, their hearts, their service, their desire, their flexibility, the service of, of this place, our lives. To the ends of the earth we will go. Send us your power, Lord. To the ends of the earth. When I became a Christian at 20 years of age, I felt the Holy Spirit touch my heart. And I remember the day I became a Christian, the next day the sky seemed bluer and the world just seemed a better place. But three years later, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I entered a new realm, the realm of the Spirit. I began to have visions and dreams. I shared the story this morning of going visiting with my pastor and having a word of knowledge about someone who had dyslexia with a guy called Mike Bave in a place called Aldershot. It's an amazing story. And I entered the realm of the Spirit. But also with that, I felt God calling me and releasing me to serve him. I ended up going to Bible college. At Bible college, I met my wife. I ended up, I thought I was maybe going to go mission field somewhere. I didn't, I didn't know what God was going to do with my life. But I ended up pastoring and, and then moving to Aberdeen and planting and pioneering a new church and, and just wanted to serve God. Now, you and I, it might not mean we go to Bible college. And for some of us, it will. It might not mean that we go to Africa. And I know that some of us here have been to Africa. It might not mean, but for, so I believe, I've said this about our church. I believe our church is going to be a sending church. I really do. I believe it's not just going to be a place where we have the Holy Spirit and it's wonderful, but we'll be a releasing place, releasing the fire. But to release the fire, you've got to catch fire. And then God wants to release the flame. He wants us to spark. And wherever we go, set everything aflame. Wherever we are, in our family and home and neighborhood. And it just means you just be you in God. There's no great shakes. When I talk about being naturally supernatural, be yourself in God. 
But know the power of God. Know your destiny. Know that God's in your life. Know that God is taking you somewhere. He's got a purpose for you and a purpose for me. That he set us in this place and in this time and for this right now. God's got a purpose. He really has. Let's stand together as we close. We want to know your fire in our hearts, Lord. Step around, lifting high the name of Jesus.